welcome to episode nine of That's All I Know, the podcast for the perpetually curious. Back again with Mama. Good evening. Mm-hmm. Clue time. Clue time. Obviously, I won't get it, but you might as well give me one anyway. I think you'll be able to figure this one out. Okay. Your clue is unexpected visitors in the valley. Um. Unexpected visitors in the valley. I'm going Wales. Mm-hmm. The valleys. Um. It must be something alien related. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> oh, okay. So I win that one. Yeah. Did I win last time? Yeah. Did I? Yeah, because you guessed the Olympic year. Oh, yeah, I did, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. So we are talking about a UFO sighting in Wales. Okay. In 2016. Okay. The night of the 25th into the 26th of February. Okay. In Lantrisson in South Wales. Is that again? Lantrisson? Is that how you say it? I think so. Okay. So on that night, the early hours of the 26th, residents were woken at 2am by military aircraft flying overhead. Okay. And there were some reports of the aircraft landing in the area. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, like when we've got the helicopters flying over, we don't think anything of it. Well, I mean, you say we don't think anything of it. We don't think anything of it in the sense of, Oh, it's just the helicopters again. Mm-hmm. More than that. But you do always really notice them. You do notice them, yeah. Yeah, because obviously, you know, if I'm at work, they fly over that path as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're really loud. Yeah. There. So, yeah. Well, residents in the area said that something hit the ground and that there was an explosion. Mm. And loads of people tweeted South Wales Police to ask them about it. Right. To A, ask them if they were their helicopters, and B, ask them what is going on. Right, okay. And this went on for a few hours, so the tweets span about three hours Mm. of people being like, I can hear helicopters, why? They could hear the helicopters for three hours? Yeah. Oh. All through the night, they could hear these helicopters, but didn't know why, so they were tweeting South Wales police, they were phoning police... They said that there was a Chinook flying so low that it nearly hit their chimney, one person said, Mm. and that the helicopters were making their houses shake. They said there were military helicopters circling and wanted to know why. People were concerned about their safety, their kids, their livestock. Mm. One person phoned 101 and was told it was a military exercise. Okay. Now, it's not unusual for there to be military aircraft in the area because it's near an RAF base. Right. But prolonged, though, that seems a bit... Yeah. And at at night as well, like, yeah. Yeah, so it's not weird for there to be aircraft. Like, when the Chinooks fly over here, you notice it, but you don't really think it's anything weird. No. Whereas when the Apaches fly over, you're like... Oh, yeah. Mm. And when there's police helicopters, you're definitely like, oh, God, who are they looking for? Well, yeah, because they do much more of your sort of hovering about above somewhere. Yeah. And they've got, like, searchlights and whatnot, haven't they? So yeah. you do sort of stop and think, oh, what are they doing? And have a look. Yeah. Where they so, are. Yeah. 
it's I imagine like that. Mm. So it's not weird for there to be aircraft, but everyone in the area knew that this was something different and mm. you know, thought it was something to be worried about. But yeah. Once one person was told it was a military training exercise. Okay, and did any of the tweets get responded to by the police or anything? Um, I didn't see responses, mm. but I mean, all of the police Twitter accounts have like that thing on them of if it's an emergency, phone nine 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 and blah blah blah, because they're not like staffed twenty four seven, are they? No. Um, and Wales Online reported on the twenty sixth that it was a training exercise. Okay. Between the RAF and the army. Mm. And this was apparently going on for a week before this night. So in the whole week leading up to it, yeah. they had training exercise going on. Which is true, they did. And it was mostly in Scotland. Okay. So, you know, it is possible that it was part of that same sort of group of exercises that is called Exercise Chameleon. Okay. According to the armed forces, that's what they said it was part of. Exercise Chameleon takes place, I think, twice a year. Yeah. Everywhere that I could find says biannually, and I don't know if that means twice a year or every two years, but I think it's twice a year. Okay. So, yeah, happens all the time. But there are no other reports either at the time of this exercise or any other mm. that are anything like this incident. Okay. So we haven't got to the incident yet? We haven't got to the incident yet. So not the crash that people thought they'd heard? Well, the crash might be part of it. Okay. So most of the info that I have for you comes from a woman called Kaz Clark. What's Kaz's story? Kaz She calls in. herself Kaz when I'm sure she's probably called Karen or something. Uh, what's with a C? So probably Catherine. Oh, Catherine. Okay. Okay. So she's the main girl. Yeah. She lives in Penturk. Mm. That is six miles away. Okay. And she says that it definitely wasn't a training exercise. And she says that the aircraft were chasing something. Mm. And what they were chasing was not military. Okay. It wasn't RAF, it wasn't Army, it was not a training exercise. Mm. She and her neighbour Dave saw the whole thing. Right. And I believe two of their other neighbours as well were out with them, but it's those two mainly that have something to say about it. Mm. And they saw the whole thing because they knew something was coming, they knew something was going on. Okay, how did they know? They knew that. Because two days before, they were kept up by a small plane circling over Penturk. Right. And they said it was flying low and slow all night. Like for hours it was circling. Mm. And then another similar plane came and took over and did the same thing. Mm. And for those two days, between those two planes, Penturk was never not under surveillance. Mm. So they thought, or Dave thought, that it was something to do with Russian planes. Okay. Because this was only a couple of weeks after 
the RAF had to escort Russian planes out of our airspace. Airspace, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Mm. So it was only a couple of weeks after that. So they figured it was just something to do with that and thought they'll camp out and see what's happening, see if they see anything exciting going on, I guess. Yeah. So they camped out in the field behind their houses on the night of the 25th to watch these little planes still circling. Mm-hmm. At 2am the night of the 25th, morning of the 26th, another plane rocked up. Mm. And it was faster and flying lower than the other two. Are these all sort of small couple of people-sized planes? So those first two were just little planes. Yeah. This one that turned up was an E3 Sentry. Didn't know. Neither did I. But... It's an airborne early warning and control aircraft. Mm. So they can detect, identify and track airborne targets. Okay. It has like this big like mushroom looking dome on the back of it, a radar dome. Okay. So it's quite a distinctive shape. Mm. And that's what they saw. That's what they saw. It's a NATO plane. Right. It's not our military. Our military does have one or a couple, but this was not one of our ones. Right. And it circled seven times, they counted. Okay. But yeah, very specialist, very fancy. It's quite hard to find out anything about them. Mm. Or like, because they, they can be like adapted and specialised and whatever. It's quite hard to find out specifically like what our ones are equipped for. Yeah. And stuff like that. It was one of these planes that they saw. Mm. And then another aircraft appeared. Above the tree line of the field that they were camping in, a red light appeared. Right. That red light turned into three mm. in the shape of a triangle. And then it turned out to be a full pyramid-shaped aircraft with six lights along each edge. In the shape of a triangle, obviously. How's the pyramid flying? It just is there. Oh. They said it stopped and, well, as it appeared, the leading side of it, those lights were brighter. And then it stopped and, like, swung down in a kind of pendulum motion mm. to be an upright triangle. Um, like with a kind of curved bottom but you know basically triangle shaped mm. Mm. and it fired a green light out of the top of it right or a green object which Cas Clark says was about the size of a small car okay but that it was too bright to tell the shape of it mm. it's just massive really bright green object just floating so it floated or flew and landed it didn't land no stayed in the sky okay the pyramid sort of moved back away from them a little bit and she says it shot out what looked like thick lightning and she said it kind of looked like a hand and she thought at the time that it was trying to land but 
she says what it actually looks like is that it was trying to stop itself from landing. You know, like if you kind of tip over a bit and like put your hand on the wall to stop you landing, mm. she thinks that's what it was doing. Yeah. Like that lightning was to stop it hitting the ground. Yeah. Um, but in any case, this lightning was bright enough that they could see the whole shape of this aircraft. Yeah. And yeah, massive pyramid thing. She said she was fixated, she doesn't really know why, that she was fixated on it touching the ground, on it landing. So she was staring at the bottom of this thing. And it was so big that from staring at the bottom, you couldn't see the top. Right. So while she's watching the bottom... How close to him was it? Um, well, it was a, a field away. Right, OK. Yeah, while she's staring at the bottom of it, Dave says that about 15 to 20 uh, red and green orbs were shot out of the top of it. Mm. Kaz is clear that she didn't see that. Right. You know, she believes that it happened, but yeah. she's not going to lie and say she saw that because she didn't, because she was looking at the bottom of it. Right. The lights on the pyramid thing Yeah. then turned from red to orange. Right. With the bottom of it being the brightest. When it did that, to again, bigger planes arrived. Mm. Proper looking planes this time. Proper massive planes. Right. They arrived. Kaz looked away just for a moment from the aircraft to see these planes arriving. And when she looked back, she couldn't see the pyramid. Mm. And she doesn't know if it wasn't there or if she just couldn't see it. But she couldn't see it. Uh, the green object was still there, all right. of its bright self. They couldn't see the pyramid anymore. Mm. So those two planes that turned up were C-130s. Yeah. And they're massive. Like, they carry mm. the military trucks and stuff. Yeah. And carry soldiers for parachuting and stuff yeah. like that. And so, they were our army ones, were they? Yeah. Right. So you've got those two little grey planes. Uh, the E-3 Sentry. And these two C-130s. Mm. She says that the green object strobed three times, like flashed really bright three times, and then moved off in like a kind of bobbing, skipping kind of motion. Right. Towards Lentricent. And the planes followed it. Four of the planes followed it. Okay. So she thinks that it was a deliberate move by that object to, to draw them away from the main aircraft. Right, they'd gone obviously stealth for a minute. Yeah. Right, okay. So four of them followed. They've still got this, like one of the little planes still mm. circling Pentag. Mm. Once that had disappeared, two of those little orb things that Dave had seen, two of them sort of approached. They were red barrel shaped objects and one of them stopped, I think she said about 30 feet away from her, 20 or 30 I was feet. just going to say, do you mean approach them? 
Yeah, yeah, right, okay. Approached the two of them standing mm. there by mm. this gate to this field. So one of them stopped 20 or 30 feet away. And she said the inside of it looked like 3D static. You know, like on TVs. Mm. Um, but it was like moving in on itself. It wasn't just like the fuzzy like surface thing. It looked like that, but 3D. Mm. And red. Yeah. So that one stopped there. The other one carried on to stop above her. Mm. She says she waved at it because she didn't know what else to do. And it turned from red to green. Right. She also said she felt it scan her and had a feeling of elation and felt like energised and said she felt like all the fear had been taken away mm. by being scanned. And she says she heard a man's voice in her head say, tell the world what you witnessed here. Okay. Which I would be scared by that. But she feels fine. <laughs> yeah, because she was scanned. So yeah. she feels calm. Okay. It then moved away, or both of them moved away in opposite directions until they couldn't see them anymore. Okay. So yeah, they think they were some of the orbs that Dave saw. Right. I suppose they could have just been other random little things that appeared, but... yeah. I guess it makes more sense for it to be one of those. Quick question. Yeah. They were stone cold sober. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> In all all ways. Stone cold sober. Yeah. Okay. So they tried to cross the field to where the pyramid was mm. to see if they could see any of these other things. Mm. But the field's all dark and muddy and they can't really make it that far. Um, so they turn back and don't see any more of them. Did they scan Dave as well, this thing? No, it just stopped above Kaz. She just said she felt a scan. Her. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. And then the Apaches arrived. Okay. Three of them. Now, I'm not a helicopter nerd. But I don't really know what exercise would need three Apaches. No. I don't know what situation needs three Apaches. No. But three of them three arrived. Three turned up. So just out for the evening for a ride. Maybe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and they were flying low enough that, like, the trees and hedges and grass and all that was getting, like, pushed mm. down. Yeah. Cassie's um, fringe went for a button. Huh? Cassie's fringe went for a button. <laughs> They, the three of them flew in the same direction that the green object and those four other planes had gone. Okay. Now, Kaz and Dave... Which does sound a little bit like Chaz and Dave. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> rabbit, they, rabbit, rabbit and all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they say they were only there for ten minutes. Oh, or this they, sounds longer than ten or minutes. Or they felt like they were there for ten minutes. But... When they headed back in after, you know, all of these aircraft had gone, they were like, well, might as well go to bed. Mm. Um, when they sort of headed back to their houses, 
they heard an explosion mm. from the direction of Glentrison. Mm. Which is how far from them? Six miles. Six miles, okay. So people in Lantrescent verified it. They also heard the explosion. Mm-hmm. The British Geological Survey confirmed a seismological anomaly in that area at 4.20am. Oh. And that was registered 45 miles away. Okay. So them saying they thought they were only there for 10 minutes... There's an hour where they don't know what happened. Okay. Hmm. They have both lost an hour. They just don't know what happened. Hmm. Interesting. So the Royal Glamorgan Hospital in Manchester hmm. also was apparently shaken by this explosion and had thick smoke coming into the hospital. as a result of it and one of the apaches had to do an emergency landing at cardiff international airport so because seems like something was going on Mm. there was smoke coming from the engine of the apache okay now a freedom of information request was submitted Mm -hmm for confirmation that the explosion was related to Exercise Chameleon. Yeah. Now, despite the official story being that all of this was to do with a military training exercise, the response said it would not be possible for the Ministry of Defence to retrospectively confirm that the shaking reported in February 2016 was caused by the simulated explosions that took place during the military training exercise. Mm. So they'd said before that that's what it was, but now they're like, mm-hmm, yeah, we can't. can't say. Yeah, we won't confirm or deny. Mm. Yeah. Now, there have been loads of freedom of information requests submitted for this by a man called Gary Jones. Okay. And who's Gary? What's he up to? He's part of, um, oh, I've got to run down somewhere, Swansea UFO group, something okay. like that, something like that. Right. <laughs> so he's submitted all of these requests to find out what's happening. And he's, like, even this week, he's submitted, like, five or six of them to just try and get everyone to say what's going on. Yeah. And lots of those requests have been met with Section 26 exceptions. Now, Section 26 of the Freedom of Information Act says that information is exempt if its disclosure would or would be likely to prejudice A, the defence of the British Islands or any colony, or B, the capability, effectiveness or security of any relevant forces. Where relevant forces means the armed forces, any forces cooperating with the armed forces, or any part of any of those forces. Oh. In other words. In other words, we can't tell you what it is, but it's a thing. Because by putting the section blah blah on it, they're not just, you know, they're, they're saying they can't say, aren't they? Yeah, and it implies that they know something, mm. but 
what they're saying is that the public interest in maintaining the exemption outweighs the public interest in disclosing the information. Mm. So they did provide enough information to say that they couldn't confirm that it was related, which is enough to say there was an explosion. Yeah. They confirmed that no other military training exercise were taking place that night and that no military personnel were issued with live ammunition. Okay. Thus, some of the information that they confirmed. They said that they held no information about green lights, red spherical objects, or red pulsing lights. Hmm. They held no information about why no notice to airmen was issued which it should have been, to say that nothing else should be flying in that area yeah. while a military training exercise is going on. Okay. That wasn't issued. Well, because there weren't one going on. Well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they hold no information on why one wasn't issued. Okay. And they hold no information on what was being removed from Smilov Woods. And I'll tell you about Smilov Woods in a minute. I mean, just a quick interjection. Mm-hmm. Has she got a long history of seeing unexplained beings or objects? No, she didn't believe in UFOs before this. This is the first thing? Yeah. Okay, what about Dave? Dave Dave doesn't really talk publicly about it. Right, okay. He talks privately about it, and as part of Kaz talking about it, there's the little bits that he's seen, but he doesn't talk publicly about it. Okay, so then my other question, which I'm guessing is the most obvious one, uh -huh. for probably everyone listening to this, as well as me, mm -hmm. is it was only five years ago. Yeah. So I'm presuming they've got a high res, high definition video recording of all of this on their iPhones. Now, a lot of people have asked that. Well, because look at when we were on the beach the other week and those Chinooks came over. Yeah. You captured every single bit of that because yeah. as soon as you heard it, your phone was out, your camera was on recording. Yeah. And you, you videoed them flying above us, which was the nuts, by the way. <laughs> but why haven't they got their phones out? So there's two answers to that question. Yeah, I, you're really going to have to do some convincing of me here because <laughs> there's no way you'd you'd see that and not video it. I think I need to tell you a bit more before I can tell you why they didn't right. work. Okay. But also, did they, they have blackberries? Oh, who had a blackberry <laughs> five years ago? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure they're blackberries. They look like blackberries. I in mean, which case, no one's getting a good video. <laughs> no one's getting anything from them. Oh my god! Five years ago, someone had a blackberry. I love their blackberries. I thought they were like fifteen years ago blackberries. Yeah. Oh my god! Anyway, when I was like in year eight. <laughs> I mean, gee. But yeah, they did try. Okay, well that's something. So those things that I just mentioned, they said they had no information about. Okay. When they were asked which branches of the British Armed Forces were involved in the exercise, what the E3 Sentry's purpose was, and why the military were searching for metal on Ludrus and Common, mm. that information information was held under Section 26. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's sort of saying those things happened, but we're not going to tell you about it. Yeah. So, yeah, the big question about that 
is why they couldn't confirm the cause of the explosion. Mm. Where if it's an option for them to just say nothing about it because of Section 26, yeah, why bother saying we can't confirm that? But if they can't confirm it for security reasons or whatever, why not just say we can't? Yeah. Like, why are they free to say, we can't tell you about that, but without any exemption? I don't know, it's weird. Yeah. On the 26th, like the morning, the daytime after this incident, Kaz Clark and Dave and and the other friends that they were camping with, I think. Did they not see anything? They they saw little bits, but there's not very much mention of them Mm. in this whole... Episode. Yeah. Okay. So on the 26th, they went into Lantrisum and on the common, all of the old like fridges and bikes and scrap stuff that had been left there for years had been all neatly lined up along the roadside. Oh. And sections of the common were cordoned off with yellow tape where they've been searched. Right. But under section 26, they can't say what they were searched by. Searched by who? By the military. Okay. So they lined them all up and stuff. Mm-hmm. To tidy it all up and then we're looking for something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. But don't know why. They can't say. Mm. While they were there, they spoke to two locals in the area who recalled one explosion in the air and one explosion on the ground. Okay. The explosion on the ground, they said, came from Ladrescent Forest, a.k.a. Smilog Woods. Smilog? Yeah. Smilog Woods. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds like it's out of Lord of the Rings, but... Yeah. <laughs> Smilog the Hobbit or something. Smil- yeah, I'm just going to go to Smilog Woods. Yeah. So they're two people that they've spoken to and apparently the smoke that was there was coming from the air, which backs up that there was an explosion in the air. And they said that a Chinook landed on Lantrosan Common with soldiers carrying out a search. Mm -hmm. And there are records of that Chinook and its flying pattern. And it flew back and forth to the RAF base that's just down the road three times that night. Right. Don't know why. Freedom Mm. of information request, they won't say. Yeah. Um, They didn't speak to them on the day, but there are two other witnesses who have spoken to them since. One said that at the time they were an NHS worker working in the hospital with combat experience, so they know the difference between an actual explosion and mm. any other random bang that might happen. Right. They said it was definitely an explosion. Right. In the hospital as a patient at the time was a former RAF pilot, and he confirmed gunshots and an explosion. Right. So there are a lot of witnesses to the explosion, not to the lights and all that aircraft that they saw. Yeah, mm. but 
to a lot of the other stuff surrounding this, there are a lot of witnesses. And there are a lot of people that confirm that Smile Old Woods was closed down on the night. Mm. And again, when asked, they won't say why. They mm. either won't say or they don't hold that information. Do we know um, sort of roughly how big Smile Old Woods is? I mean, is it like a, a little patch of woodland the size of, say, like a field or is it like Epping Forest? You know, like, is it, you know, is it huge? I, I'm not 100% sure how big, but I think it's pretty big. Right. It's not just like yeah. 10 trees Yeah. <laughs> on a little patch. I think I'm it's pretty big. To, to lock it all off, I mean, it's quite, you know, mm. it's quite a big task, isn't it, if it's a big forest or whatever. Yeah. Mm. But no information about why that was closed down. Mm. In the day when it was opened up again, they went to a bit further to investigate. And they very easily found the trail and the path that that green object had taken. How? Into Smilog Woods. Because the trees are 60 feet tall. And in a straight line along the path that they'd seen it go, there's a load of trees snapped halfway up. Oh. Just massive trees fully snapped in half. Oh. She got away lightly with a scanning then. That's what they can do to old trees, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Along with those snapped trees, Mm. there's a cluster of six of them in particular that was snapped 20 feet up with burn marks on them and surrounded trees. Those trees apparently looked like the trunks had exploded rather than snapped. Right. And apparently there was a smell of sulphur. Mm-hmm. Which is gross. Yeah. And Kaz says, I don't want to say she's a lion, but she says her hair turned completely white overnight. And... I mean, there are pictures and videos from that day, and her hair is white, but it just always seems far-fetched. But I've told you this story, though, about my granddad, though. I just... That apparently the same thing happened to him. And honestly, the whole time I knew him, he had white hair. And he was quite young, of course, when I was born. Yeah. But apparently it happened to him. I just don't know how that's possible. <laughs> no, isn't it meant to be like a shock thing? I mean, yeah. that might be a myth. We should look that up, but... That's the story I've always been told as well. Yeah. Well, Kaz said it happened to her. Yeah. And in that little area of Smiler Woods, it was snowing. What? Now, she says it definitely wasn't like debris or ash or whatever. whatever. She says it was like squashy snow. Like you could catch it and squish it, but then it did melt. Yeah. It's definitely snow. Now, all of the weather reports in the area on that day say it was sunny. Mm. But in this area and in the little patch where they'd seen that lightning-looking thing, it's snowing there, just in those two little areas. And everything in those areas is dead. 
As in the trees, the grass, everything. Trees, grass, bushes, everything is dead. Oh. Now, how many people were spectators of the snowing? Uh, I think about half a dozen. Right, okay. And still, in that area where she saw the lightning, there's still a bald patch of like grass and bushes and what stuff now? there. Yeah. Mm. Still there, just nothing grows there. Mm. And people also say they feel negatively affected by that bald patch. A lot of people live in a bald patch. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they go there, that's yeah. how they feel. Yeah. Okay. But you do have to kind of think, if they know that that's what supposedly happened, mm. then maybe it's like... Yeah. Yeah. So 18 months after the incident happened, yeah, Kaz Clark got in touch with the Swansea UFO Network. That's what it's called. That's what Gary Jones does. Okay. And they decided to investigate. Mm-hmm. So they went to these areas and they found a load of electromagnetic anomalies. Mm. And they did loads of tests to, you know, try and make sure it wasn't just like the background or natural level of the area. Um, and they did find a couple of areas where they got really high readings, but managed to like debunk it. Right. But there's a lot of it that they couldn't debunk. And in those areas, there are significant levels of radiation. Mm. In 2019, so at least three years after, yeah. the readings indicated that one hour of exposure in those areas is equivalent to anywhere from 2.4 to 21 days of exposure to normal background radiation yeah. is that much higher than just normal just in that little area just in those areas mm. and the lower end of that 2.4 days is the equivalent of a chest x-ray mm. so one hour in that area is the equivalent of an x-ray okay so probably not good for you if you live nearby no, but it's in very specific areas. Mm. Like, they they did, like, a... Oh, I forget what it's called. Like, a grid search or yeah. whatever, where they, like, make sure they cover every patch. And they, like, mapped a specific path that matches what Kaz and Dave say, like, the path that they saw it fly. Right, okay. So do we want the official explanations? I mean, yeah. Yeah? From who? So they asked why the damaged trees in Smilog Wood were cut down and replaced so quickly. Right. Because, yeah, they cut them all down and planted fresh ones. And Natural Resources Wales claimed that they had to be felled because of larch disease. Mm. Now, cutting down trees with larch disease has a lot of very specific requirements. 
and they followed none of them. Mm. So first of all, there's no evidence that they were infected with large disease. Maybe they were. Mm. They say, again, in a Freedom of Information request, that they did receive indication that they were infected. Okay. There should be a felon licence to cut down those trees because they have large disease and there's restrictions on like equipment being cleaned and like licensed contractors having to do it and all that kind of stuff. And there's no evidence that such a license was requested or granted. Mm. Okay. Standard procedure is to completely remove everything, the whole tree, to make sure it doesn't spread to the other tree yeah, in the area. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. Except the tree stumps are still in the ground. And the logs are still on the site. Okay. And has anyone tested them? Well, they say that what's left there is not a risk. So I guess what they're saying is they just took the infected bits away. I'm not buying that. No. Mm. According to the Forestry Commission... The spores from large disease can stay in the soil for two to four years. Right, so which, it's yeah, so it's no good leaving half the trunks and the logs no. around. Yeah, not only that, they advise against planting anything there in three years. Right, but they put new trees in. Yeah, they're supposed to get rid of everything and then leave it for three years. Mm. Instead, they got rid of some of it and planted new ones immediately, mm. or within a couple of months. So someone either didn't know what they were doing, mm-hmm. or was instructed to do something else, I guess. Yeah. Against what they knew they should do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's it's only those broken trees and the burnt trees that were removed. Mm. And there are there are a couple, like two or three, I think, that were burnt, that were left there. Mm. So I guess to kind of challenge the whole they removed them to hide the evidence. Yeah. Why did they leave them ones? Don't know. Shoddy workmanship. But then if they were legitimately removing them, why didn't they do it properly? Shoddy workmanship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So yeah, as I said, nat- Natural Resources Wales responded to freedom of information requests to answer all of those concerns, and they seemed satisfied that everything was above board. Okay. Other people are not convinced. No. But they say they did what they were supposed to do, mm. and it's all just normal. Okay. Now, another little oddity is that several roads in the area were closed, Mm. including the M4. The M4? Yeah. What, on that night? Yeah. Right. Apparently because of an overturned lorry. Hmm. But no one's really sure why that many roads would have been closed for an overturned lorry. Yeah. Now, the MOD 
said they had no information about this and that road closure decisions would have been made by South Wales Police. Okay. South Wales Police initially called the request vexatious. (laughs) Basically saying that it would be too much work to find that out. Yeah. And they refused to respond, first of all, but then he went back and complained, and they did eventually respond. When he asked who gave the order to close the roads, why it was necessary and whose job it was to close them, they said, we've been been unable to locate any recorded information in relation to any road closures on the date specified. Right. The officers involved have since left the organisation and other inquiries have been unsuccessful. So they don't know anything about it, but they know that the officers involved don't work there anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I suppose it could just be that those officers didn't record anything properly. Could have been. So they don't have the records of it, but they know who was involved. Mm. But, you know, if someone there knows that it happened and who was involved, shouldn't they also have some kind of idea yeah, of what happened on. and yeah. why? Yeah. But, yeah, no records, but everyone involved is gone. Bye. Mm. So we don't know why the roads were closed. Okay. Now, in one of the videos that I watched, they mentioned a freedom of information request asking about the pyramid aircraft and all the little green objects. Yeah. And according to them, the MOG said that they held information related to the request, but withheld it due to operational security under Section 26. Now, I couldn't find that request. Okay. Last night, when I was getting annoyed, it was because I was looking through all the Freedom of Information requests, and I couldn't find that one. Right, okay. So, I'm not sure that's true. I don't think I believe that. Everything that I could find, they said that they hold no information about it. Mm. So, that's what I'm going to have to go with. I don't believe they have sort of accidentally confirmed that they know about it i think at every opportunity they've just gone we don't know anything about it yeah so obviously all these people think it's an alien ship they think it either crashed or was shot down in smile of woods and Mm -hmm. removed by the military right and the military were up to something in the days following it In a field near where they'd witnessed this, there were some people camping out in the days following it. Now, when Kaz asked a couple of locals what they were doing there, they'd been told two different stories. One person had been told that they were a fracking survey team, Mm. and another person had been told that they were from Vodafone. Okay. Not what they were doing there for Vodafone, but they were there from Vodafone. Okay. Now, while they're... Kaz, I mean. While Kaz and one of our friends yeah, are there just, you know, on the edge of the field, just 
having a little look what's going on. They, I don't know that they were approached by them, but they managed to speak to two uniformed soldiers. Okay, they don't sound like a fracking team or Vodafone. No. But yeah, these two soldiers in uniform carrying guns. Guns? Mm. They told her that it was a military exercise. Well, the camping trip. The, yeah, these people camped in the field. Mm. They told her it's a military exercise. The people camping in what she says looks like a military setup, yeah. the way everything's like identical. Yeah. They told her they were from Vodafone. Okay. There were also people doing a fingertip search of the field mm. in white forensic suits. Right. And they said that they were looking for mock mines, which again sounds like a military training exercise. Yeah. But some of the others adamant they're there for Vodafone. Yeah. Which I don't know if it's like, you know, on Who Dares Wins? Yeah. You know when they get captured and they try and stick to their story even though it's an obvious lie? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's what some of these were doing or if By, they, they the just really story was... was Vodafone. Yeah. But doing what for Vodafone? I, I've got no idea. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And the people searching the field, whenever any of the locals sort of turned up, they all say that they as soon as they saw them, they stopped and stared at them, stopped searching and just watched them until they went and then carried on searching. Well, that's weird. So they didn't want to be watched searching. That's weird. Yeah. Mm. So the people in the field and the people in a jeep that was a little way away. Yeah. They had, I think it's, you know, in, like, films and TV shows and stuff, yeah. when you see, like, the military guards with, like, the massive laptops in the metal cases? Yeah. yeah. That's what they had. Okay. Apparently. And the people by the Jeep have three of them. But and I think they're sort of... I don't know that they're just laptops. Aren't they, like, measuring devices of different things? I think they're more scientific, aren't they? Yeah. But yeah. they just look like big laptops in cases, yeah. don't they? Yeah. But they had three of them. And they also had like a bunch of satellite dishes and aerials and stuff set up mm. by this Jeep. And one of Kaz's friends, I think her name's Donna, mm. said that she managed to sort of sneak along to see what they were up to and that they were talking about finding something quickly. And they all think that they were trying to triangulate something. Right. In their minds, something to do with this green green thing. Object, yeah. So again, freedom of information request. I'm telling you, this guy, Gary, is doing loads of them. Has he got a job? <laughs> well, I don't know if his job is... Working for the, the UFO, UFO network. Yeah. yeah. But again... Submitted another request, asked why the military were in the field. Yeah. That information was withheld under Section 26. Mm. He also asked 
why soldiers were carrying automatic weapons without yellow caps. Now, apparently, soldiers on training exercise with weapons, yeah, they have like these blank firing adapters okay. on them, which are bright yellow. Yeah. So, you know, it should be obvious to anyone that they're not using live ammo. Yeah. So the fact that they didn't have these yellow things on the end of them mm. implied that they were carrying live, live rounds. Hands, yeah. So he mm. asked why that was. The MOD withheld that information under section 26. (laughs) (laughs) But under section 16, which is the duty to provide advice and assistance, they confirmed that personnel were equipped with blanks. So through these two section 26 exemptions, they did confirm that soldiers were in the field. But didn't confirm why. Okay. Um, They also... Gary and the UFO network. They did also search for applications for change of use of the field. Which should have been applied for by any private company. Yeah. But they would have required that application. Yeah. So that not being requested implies that it was police or military yeah otherwise the police would have intervened Mm -hmm. now i'm going to bring yet another aircraft into the mix bloody hell (laughs) (laughs) this one is a ze 700 yeah and it's an raf plane which is usually reserved for high-ranking officials, mm. like high-ranking politicians, the royal family, high-ranking military. Yeah. Fancy, fancy people. Now, this plane landed at Cardiff International Airport, which is 13 miles from Nantrisson, on the 26th. And it flew from Norfolk, mm. which, you know, is the go-to for... yeah high-level politicians, the royal family. Yeah. You know, everyone's in that sort of area. Mm. And they got a lot of information from aviation enthusiasts. And one of them that got in touch with them made a point to say, nothing out of Norfolk is boring. Mm. So if that plane is flying out of there, somewhat important's on it. And it flying from there to Cardiff very, very rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Now, David Cameron, Prime Minister at the time, right? he was speaking at an aviation plant near Penturk on the 26th. Right. But he was already in the area. So really, him being there at this time just seems like a funny little coincidence. Okay. But then the question is, if he wasn't on the plane, who was? Hmm. We don't know. Let me guess. Did Gary ask for the information? And it was redacted under the (laughs) section 26 blah blah? I don't believe Gary did ask for that information. I think think Gary knows that he's never going to get the answer to that. (laughs) 
So, you asked earlier, was Kaz Clark still? Yeah. So she got involved in this whole thing because she commented on that Wales Online article describing what she saw. After she did that, she was contacted by Wales Online and she described the conversation that she had with them as an interrogation. Mm. And she says the media told her to stay quiet. And all of the comments on that article, I can show you. Yeah. Look, it's this article here. How yeah. military training planes and helicopters kept part of South Wales awake. Okay. At the bottom, no comments. Okay. All of the comments on this article, including Kaz's describing what happened, have been deleted. Hmm. Okay. Now, she didn't talk about this for 18 months because of these people telling her not to say anything. It's after that 18 months that she went to the Swansea UFO Network and Gary Jones. Mm. And she says that after she started talking about it then, she was threatened by the military. Oh. Yeah. She met with a guy who told her that he was interested in the case. This guy joined a load of UFO groups on Facebook and mm. she said that she asked other people that she knew if they knew this guy and everyone knew of him from these groups but didn't know him. Mm. But he got in touch with her, asked to meet her. She agreed. Um, didn't meet him alone because she's not mad. Yeah. And he turned out to be a military man. Mm -hmm. And he threatened her and her family with a fatal car crash. What? He told her, well, he said to her about five people recently dying in a car crash and then said, be careful what you say. Okay. Which she obviously took as a threat. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, as I said, Dave hasn't spoken publicly. Yeah. But, you know, Kaz and their friends and Gary and everyone else knows what he saw. Uh-huh. And he backs up what Kaz says. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, despite being told to be careful what she says... She's still not really sure what she's not supposed to say. Yeah. Just be careful, but we're not going to tell you what not to say. So she's like, well, I'll just say it. Yeah. People online, as part of UFO groups and stuff like that, they've described the same thing. Mm. So there's one person that was on um, a road that kind of goes along the side of these fields. Yeah. And they also saw the three lights and this pyramid appearing and, you know, back up what Kaz said. Um, but they said, and this wasn't after she started talking about it. This was like in the couple of days after yeah. this event. They also online were like, oh, I saw this, by the way. Mm. Um, but they said they didn't want to be contacted out of fear of the consequences from the MOD. Mm. Like they said, I don't want to be in trouble with them. Yeah. Um, 
and like Kaz, they said that they feel like they saw something they shouldn't have. And they also believe that the MOD knew it was coming. Okay, because of the mm-hmm. yeah, previous few days. Yeah. Okay. So Kaz was not threatened into silence. She took being threatened as a reason to talk about it, I guess, in like a, if I die, this is what kind of way. Which I think that's what I would do. Mm-mm. MOD, if you're listening. I think <laughs> if you ever threaten me, I'm telling everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should keep your mouth shut. Anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, she's talked about it, shared her story for the last couple of years. She's been talking about it and investigating with these other bods and yeah she said in her original comment on that article yeah that she'd take a lie detector anywhere for anyone Mm. and she has paid for and passed three of them okay so she was true to her word in that sense Mm. i'm still i'm still curious about the mobiles apart from the fact they're blackberries (laughs) Because right, it's well, not just them two. If, they, if there's these other people that saw the pyramid and the lights, did no one think to take a photo or a video? Well, they tried to. Kaz and Dave both tried to. Mm. And they say their phones didn't work. And a lot of people, people that know stuff about planes, yeah, think that that could have been to do with the jamming capabilities mm. that E3 centuries are known to have. Okay. So they apparently are capable of doing that. Yeah. So if they tried to use their phones, these planes would have stopped them from doing that. Yeah. Um, they also say that following this incident, their laptops, phones and emails were hacked and that all of their communication about this incident were deleted. Mm. Dave said that he lost some of his, like, pictures of his family and stuff, along with all of that, and they were eventually put back, but his communications about this incident were not. Mm. And his phone later just died completely, like, very shortly after this. Yeah. And since this incident, there apparently are very often like strange lights in the sky and military vehicles and searches going on in the area, and that has been filmed. Mm. People have filmed like unusual military presence in the area. Yeah. Mm. Um, I mean, if you watch or listen to her talking. She seems like really calm and rational and yeah, whatever. She's actually like really sympathetic to the supposed aliens, yeah. Um, because she says they were not threatening in any way, and there was but no... she didn't actually see an alien though, did she? No, but mm. she saw you know these aircraft that she believes were intelligently operated Mm. um 
like you know as far as she's concerned it responded to her waving and stuff like that mm. um so she says yeah there was not threatening there was no hostility and she believes our military shot it down Mm. Yeah, she thinks they were waiting for it, and she describes it as an ambush. That she's got no doubt whatsoever that they knew it was coming. Okay. And I'm going to throw in just this little bit at the end, because I know you're not going to like it very much. (laughs) They took a paranormal investigator out there to the ball patch. Yeah. And... Without being prompted, this investigator used a spirit box. You know that thing on Ghost Adventures that makes the horrible noise? Oh, right. Yeah, they used one of them. And Kaz says that crystal clear, it had two voices that came through. The first one said, your air agents are listening here. Mm. And the second one said one of them perished in the crash. Mm-hmm. So, make of that what you will. Well, I mean, make nothing of that if you will. <laughs> I will make. I will make. It, I will make light of it because you say he wasn't prompted, but he was taken somewhere, knowing what he does for a sort of job, mm-hmm. um, to a board patch of field, which I feel like he'd probably think, oh, maybe I should do a little bit, a few bits and pieces here. What you do you know? mean? I'm saying, you're saying he's not prompted. Like It's not like they were just wandering down Peckhamai Street and he suddenly went, oh, <laughs> I've got a feeling. No, but it's not him saying it. Well, it's this know. voice knew he was going, he might have recorded something and then played it. He could have done. Maybe he didn't know where he was going. I don't know. Maybe he has a few recordings up his sleeve just in case. Mm. Maybe he doesn't. Specifically about Urban. Yeah, well, yeah, you never know, do you? I mean, or maybe it's completely true. Maybe it is. Mm. I don't know. I realised while I was researching that bit of it that my belief of things really depends on the context. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like definitely. when I'm watching Ghost Adventures and I kind of want it to be true. Yeah. I quite like it when stuff comes through on that thing. But when I was reading this, I was like, well, that's not true. Yeah. Now, as I said, they're still going on with these freedom of information requests. Yeah. They're still trying to find out what happened. Like as recent as this week. Wow. They're submitting these requests. But I suppose it's only five years. It's quite yeah. Short. yeah. But like he's still actively involved mm. and investigating it. Yeah. So they got in touch with a load of people to ask them whether they were notified about the exercise and who was involved in it. So the Welsh Fire Service holds no information about the exercise. Oh. The hospital said that there was no communication with security, even though that person who said that they worked there, that's yeah. I give up, they, when they first heard the explosion, they asked security what was going on. Security said they knew nothing. Hmm. And then they like went outside to see what was going on, if they could see anything. And when they went back inside, they asked security again if they knew anything. And they told them at that point there was a military training exercise. Okay. So at some point, someone got in touch with the hospital security to tell them either that it was that or to say that. Okay. But apparently there was no communication with them. The hospital were not notified in advance. 
the councils and stuff like that were not notified in advance. Mm -hmm. The local health board said that they were notified by South Wales Police of a counter-terrorism exercise at 11pm to 3am on the 25th to the 26th. Mm. Now, a lot of this happened after that. So, if it was part of that exercise, then it ran over, I suppose. But they were notified by South Wales Police. The Royal Mint said they were notified of the exercise by the Welsh Extremism Counter-Terrorism Unit. The Royal Mint? Yeah. Okay. They gathered through these Freedom of Information requests that they were somehow involved in it. Mm. But when they asked South Wales Police about the Welsh Extremism Counter-Terrorism Unit and their involvement... South Wales Police that said that they could neither confirm nor deny that they held in any information related to the request in the interest of national security. Mm-hmm. So they didn't section 26 it. Yeah. They're not saying we have that information but we're not telling you about it. They're not saying we don't have that information. Yeah. They're saying I can't yeah. tell you if or we have not. that information or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. That's all I know about the Pentec UFO incident. Mm. I mean, it seems like quite a sort of, um, I don't know, like more of a detailed or um, convincing sighting than some, right? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. I reckon it'll go on for longer, much longer, until people get some answers. Do you believe it? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I'd have to ponder on it a bit more. I mean, she thinks that people should know about it and be able to vote on it and stuff like that. And I see what she's saying, but we have also seen what happens when people vote on stuff. Mm. So I don't think I agree. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know. I mean, on a slightly different note, you can sometimes experience what you think something is. Yeah. Only to find out it's something else. But I suppose at this moment, they haven't got anything that is the something else. Like, I don't know if you remember how long ago it was. Maybe it's related to this. Who knows? But one one night I woke up and I felt like my bed had been shaken. Uh Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, I've got a ghost in my room. (laughs) Anyway, the next day I went to work and um, everyone was talking about um, an earthquake. Oh, yeah. And it was up the country a bit. Yeah. It was strong enough to feel in London. Yeah. And it shook my bed. But I could have gone round if I didn't know that, thinking someone shook my bed in the middle of the night. Do you see what I mean? I think... (laughs) I find it funny that your first thought is, was there a ghost in my room? (laughs) Why else is my bed shaking in the middle of the night? I would think earthquakes. We don't have earthquakes though, really, do we? We have them every now and then. Yeah, but I didn't know that at the time. This was a good while ago. And I was like, yeah, what else am I going to think? It's the middle of the night, of course. We all know ghosts only turn up in the middle of the night. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Talking of facts. Yeah. So I've got some for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I always base things on numbers, as you know. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've got a... 
a tricky one for you, I think. And okay. it's it's about the oldest things. Mm. So I'm going to tell you the age of the oldest dog recorded. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the age of the oldest cat recorded. Uh-huh. And the oldest human as we stand today. Okay. And you've got to tell me which one of those is correct. Okay. Which I get, I get is just probably going to be a guess. Yeah. But you might be able to try and figure some stuff out. Okay. Okay. So, the oldest person living as of today uh-huh. um, is 122 years old. Right. Okay. The oldest cat that's ever been recorded was called Cream Puff. <laughs> and it was 38 years and three days old. Right. Okay. And the oldest dog um, that was recorded was a cattle dog called Bluey. Uh-huh. And he lived to 30 years and five months. Okay. So, both of their animal ages are very high. Very high. But... Isn't the oldest person like 114 or something? I don't think there's anyone in their 120s. No? I don't think so. I don't know all the people. Okay, so you're ruling out people. Yeah, I'm ruling out people. Okay. So a 30-year-old dog or a 32-year-old cat? I didn't say 32-year-old. 38? 38 years and three days for the cat and 30 years and five months for the dog. Hmm. 38-year-old cat. I mean, I'd quite like it if our ones stick around till they're 38. <laughs> I mean, they look good for their age. <laughs> I mean, we still obviously... Rec- refer to them as the kittens but they're 14 years old yeah. <laughs> which is not kitten in any fashion for no. cats is it but you know they look good they've got good coats and they're still sprightly i mean they can't jump up the window so many more can they they can just about just about just about <laughs> yeah um i am gonna go for what kind of dog uh an australian cattle dog called bluey yeah i don't know what they are no nah. I'm going for the dog. You're going for the dog? Yeah. At 30 years and five months? Yeah. Okay, you're wrong. <laughs> the cat was 38 years and three days. How? I don't know. The oldest cat ever, which he named Cream Puff. <coughs> well, anyway, 38 years and three days old. <coughs> Crazy. Mad. I mean, it don't look in the best condition, but you know. It is crazy. Mm. So anyway, sorry you didn't win again. Yeah. Well. I might try and do something a bit easier next time. But then <laughs> I feel like I don't like it when you win. So. I don't know if I'm still ahead of the leaderboard. I reckon you are. I've not been keeping track. But you've got loads wrong though now. Yeah. Yeah. But then sometimes you've got them right. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so yeah, there are your facts. It's the cat. Yes. Uh, the human... Yeah. By the way, um, just so you know, um, the oldest human uh, living now is 118 years, 223 days. That's so old. I mean, how could you be bothered? I could never. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah there you are. Well, cheers. And that's it. <laughs> okay. See you later. Well, thanks for listening. Um, if you enjoyed it, You can subscribe and hear when we're up next week.
probably won't be late next week. Follow us on Twitter at TAIK Podcast, on Instagram at That's All I Know Podcast. And I think that's it. Is that it? I think that's it. Well, all right then. Bye. Bye.